You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching from Pastor Mark. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. And so I was thinking about Peter. Peter's one of my favorite guys in the Bible because Peter's always asking questions. Some of them good, some of them stupid, but he's always asking questions. And so we know a lot about Peter. Now I know when I get to heaven and after I see Jesus, Peter's going to come look me up and he's going to ask me, could you have done better? And so, but anyway, and I'm going to have to say no, sir. And so, um, (laughs) but the truth is, Jesus asked Peter one of the most profound questions that I believe have ever been asked. He asked Peter, he said, Peter, who do men say that I am? And he answered, because Peter was always quick to answer. He said, well, some people say you're, uh, you know, a prophet. Some say you're Jeremiah. You might be, you know, Isaiah. You know, you're, 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 you know, they're saying you're a good teacher, whatever they're saying that, but I have. And so when I was meditating on that, the Lord asked me this question. When I mean, the Lord asked me, I mean, I just kind of sensed it. I didn't hear a voice, just kind of knew. He said, what do you think they'd say today? Richard, if Jesus was standing in front of you and he asked you this question, who do men say that I am today? Raquel. Put your name, Johnny, Peter. If he stood in front of you, what would you have to say today? Because it's a whole different answer. Some say you're fake. Some say you never existed. Some say you were a man, but you were just a good teacher who did crazy stuff. Made mud and spit in people's eyes. Jesus, some people don't even know who you are. We've been here a long time. You've been gone a long time, but some people don't even know who you are. And even in the United States of America. So I think we'd have to give him a whole different answer. But then the next question that he asked Peter was even more important. Because, see, you can't control the 7.2 billion people on the planet. And you can't control your neighbor. But you can control you, and then if you're a parent, especially if they're 18 and under, you should be. We were on vacation, and I saw these parents in the pool counting one, two, three. You all know that Pastor Mark wanted to jump up and say, get rid of your one, twos, and threes, and tell them, you do that one more time, out you go. I was so frustrated. (laughs) I'm going to spank you. Yeah, yeah, what century? And so, okay, that's a whole different story. All right. Come on, you have control over those 18 and under in your home. And if any day, you better teach them about Jesus because nobody else is going to do it. When you bring him to church, you know, we've got, we've got great teachers in our torch in our new building. We've got great teachers in our kinder church. But how many of you know that is supposed to be supplementing what you're doing at home? And if you never mention his name at home, make no mistake about it. They're going to grow up, and they're not going to know who he is. And they need to know who he is. Because if you haven't guessed it, the world's crazy out there. All kinds of weird stuff going on. And it's your responsibility. But what did he ask Peter? He said, okay, Peter, that's fine. We'd have to give Jesus a different answer today. But then he asked Peter this question. But Peter, this is the most important question. Who do you say 
that I am. If Jesus was standing right in front of you right now, what would you answer? Who, who is he to you? Who is he to you? Somebody you see at Christmas and Easter? Somebody you see every Sunday morning only? Who is he to you? My mamma. Anybody have a mamma besides me? Your granny, your nanny, your, your I don't know, uh, this is a bad name, Big Mama, whatever, whoever. <laughs> whatever you called her. She, my mom used to say to me, she said, Mark, everywhere you go, because you're born again, you take Jesus with you. Would he go where you want to go? Would he go where you're going? Is he comfortable with all your conversations? I said, man, that's hard. That's full of con. No, that's just, that's the truth. Who is Jesus to you? So I'm going to take you from the beginning. And I'm not going to spend a long time because you think, well, pastor, you got to get going. You're not going to get done. I'm not going to take a long time. But I want to tell you some things. First off, Jesus, according to John's gospel, chapter 1, verses 1 through 2 in the New Living, says, in the beginning was the word. Already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. And he existed from the beginning. Everybody say, Jesus is the word of God. Amen. And the Bible says this in 1 John chapter 5, verse 7. It says, there were three in heaven. There's three in heaven. It says that in, there were three in heaven. It talks about the Father. It talks about the Word. And it talks about the Holy Ghost in the King James Version. It says he is the Father. The, the, there's three in heaven. The Father, the Word. Well, who's the Word? The Word is Jesus. In Revelation chapter 19, it talks about how Jesus, in Re- Revelation 19, 13, it talks about how Jesus was standing there and he was clothed and it said he was called the Word of God. Everybody say, Jesus is the Word of God. Now, the Bible you have is the Logos, the written Word of God, and when you believe it, it becomes a rhema, a spoken Word of God, but make no mistake about it, Jesus is the Word of God. Everything that you see was made by the Word of God, because the Bible says this about him, that in the beginning he was with God, and all things that were made were made by him. And so the Bible even talks about how this world is held together with his word. So I always say it like this. If the word's not true, grab a hold of something because it's about to spin out of control. So whether anybody realizes or not, Jesus, the word of God, is the one that's holding this all together. He is the word. He always has been the word. And at the end, he's the word again. He is the word. What you've got in front of you, the Bible that's on your iPhone or your iPad, or if you do it still old school, in written form, that's the logos. That's the word of God. That is Jesus. That's why it's living. The Bible says it's living. Jesus said, the word of God says about him that he is the word, that he was the word. He'll always be the word. And with that word, everything that was created, the Father spoke it, Jesus made it, and the Holy Ghost brought it forth. There's three in heaven. Again, the Father, the word. Well, the Holy Ghost is here on the earth right now. Amen? Um, But how important is that? Because, see, this is not just a book. This is a living book. You can live your life by this. And it's alive. And so it's not old. The King James Version sounds archaic. But God is not. It's just a translation. God's not. He is the Ancient of Days. But he's not out of touch. 
He's been in this day. He knew what it would look like. And that's why he sent the word. The word that always has been. Now this word, the Bible talks about the word that Jesus decided to come to this earth. And he was born of a virgin. Now I know a lot of you aren't this way, but some people, one time they go to church, is it Christmas? What do we celebrate at Christmas? The virgin birth. When Adam and Eve fell in the garden, Jesus said, I'll put enmity between uh, man and the devil. And And then through a woman through a virgin birth, that that birth would destroy, or I like to say crush the head of the devil. Without the virgin birth, there is no uh, reason for us to gather. Because the virgin birth is not a fairy tale, it's reality. Jesus, Jesus was born of a virgin. The Spirit of God came upon a lady named Mary, a young girl named Mary. The Holy Ghost conceived Jesus in her, and the virgin birth is very important because the seed, the DNA, comes from the man, and that man was God, and God is, 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 is clean and holy and righteous, and Jesus was born into the earth that way, but he had to come here. So Jesus was born of a virgin, and you all understand that. But then let's talk about when he grew up. How many of you know uh, the first 30 years he was, you know, he was, there were some things. He was learning some things. Remember the time they went to the synagogue and he turned around, went back and began to teach. And Mary and Joseph were like, um, you know, they weren't counting to three. They were like, where, where is he? And they went and found him. Right. And, and, And he said, I have to be about my father's business. But no matter what little movie you ever seen, Jesus wasn't healing bird wings. He wasn't building birdhouses as a carpenter and then healing their little wings. He didn't do any miracles until the Holy Ghost came upon him. John the Baptist, one day Jesus was walking by and he said, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. Jesus' body was fashioned to go to the cross. He was the Lamb of God, a sacrifice ready for you and for me. Are you grateful for the sacrifice? Amen. But then Jesus, as he, at about the age of 30, the Spirit of God came upon him and he began to do the works of God. He began to do the works to show everyone that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what did Jesus do? Well, everywhere he went, he went about teaching and preaching. He went and preached in their synagogue. Now listen, sometimes you think about occasionally he went to the synagogue. But if you study the scripture out, is all the time he was teaching and preaching. Everywhere he went, he was teaching and preaching. He went to his own hometown. And the Bible says, as his custom was. In other words, this is something he did regularly. He was teaching and preaching. What was he teaching and preaching? He was teaching and preaching the kingdom of God. Listen to me. When you hear people say, well, Jesus didn't teach that, don't just take everything they say. Don't even take everything a preacher says. Find out what yourself that what Jesus taught. He taught the gospel of the kingdom. Now listen to me. Don't don't nobody get mad at me on a Sunday morning. He loved everybody, and he still loves everybody. But he didn't love sin. The woman caught in adultery. What did he say to her? Uh, Neither do I condemn thee, but, everybody say but. Go and Right? He loves everybody. But why did he say that to her? Because sin destroys people. So Jesus was teaching and preaching. Yes, God is love. And he was, he was talking about, but mostly what Jesus was teaching and preaching was the gospel of the kingdom. This is what the kingdom looks like. 
That's why the word of God says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will just be taken care of. So the king, Jesus, came to tell us what the kingdom looks like. Come on, what's, where, where is the kingdom? Anybody ever heard of heaven? Y'all going one day? We're not getting up a load today, though. What? Come on, can you get most Christians? How many of you know heaven is an awesome place? Is there any crying there? Anybody dying there? Anybody sick there? Any poverty there? Come on. Y'all have a house, an apartment, something? What do you decorate your house with? Furniture and pictures, right? What did Jesus say? In my father's what? So God has a, how does he decorate his house? Come on. In my father's house are many. You decorate your house with furniture. He decorated his house with a mansion for you. Oh, I just need a cabin over the hill. Well, you're going to live in a mansion. If you want a cabin over the hill, ask for one. I'm just talking about God. I'm just talking about who Jesus is. Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. In his earthly walk, he taught the kingdom. He taught the kingdom. He taught who the Father is. When Jesus was going about, what else did he do? He was healing everywhere he went. The Bible, many places says he healed them all. Everybody say he healed them all. Every, what was he doing? He was showing everyone who the Father was. What did he say? He said, I only do what I see my Father do. I only say what I hear my Father say. In other words, I've come to show you the Father. I've come to show you who God is. And when he did that, he healed everyone. Well, he didn't heal. Everyone didn't receive their healing because even in his own hometown, he said uh, that because of, he, was, he marveled at their unbelief and he was only able to heal a few sick folks. So we know that our faith has something to do with it. But the will of God, Jesus, he came to heal. He came to heal. He came to heal. He came to teach and preach. He came to heal. He also came to provide. Y'all know the first miracle Jesus ever did was what? When he turned water into wine. How many of you know that wasn't a miracle of necessity? How many of you know they could have done without? But just to show the bigness and the greatness and the graciousness of God. He turned that water into wine. There was people who didn't have enough food. He multiplied loaves and fishes. Not once, at least twice, probably three times we see that. Turned water into wine. He's a provider. He's a provider. He taught the word. He preached the word. He healed the sick. He provided for them. He used authority. One day they were on a ship, and remember uh, the disciples were up front, and Jesus went in the back taking a nap. Y'all remember that? He had his little pillow, little banky, and he was in the back taking a nap because he, he, he was busy. He was sleeping. And they came back and said, Master, don't you care that we perish? They're like, hey, Jesus, get up. We're going to die. We're going to die. Because we don't talk like that. Master, do you not care that we perish? What would we do? Hey, we're dying up here. Don't you care? What did Jesus say? Oh, ye of little faith. He got up, and what did he do? He rebuked it. 
he used authority. Amen? When there was a demon, a devil showed up. What did he do? He commanded it to come out. When he saw a fig tree that wasn't doing what it was supposed to be doing, what did he do? He cursed it. Jesus had authority. Everything that Jesus did in his earthly ministry, you could sum up with one verse, Acts 10, 38. Jesus went about doing, is he good? Good. I, I mean, I believe that has to do with benevolence. If you study that word good out, it has to do, uh, I mean, people don't understand this, but Jesus had a treasurer. Y'all remember his name? And there was so much money in there that they didn't notice when he was siphoning. The Lord took care of them. God's not against prosperity. He's not against you being blessed. He's against you being covetous and selfish and a hoarder. As a matter of fact, God's a good father. He started Jesus out with a whole lot of gold, frankincense and myrrh. You know, I know you see that at Christmas. Everybody brings one little bar of gold and, and, and a little bit of frankincense. All that's costly stuff. They didn't, kings didn't come with a little bar. This was not ceremonial. They came with stuff loaded down. And they took that off into Egypt and lived for a couple years. God's not against provision. He's a provider. Who went about doing good? Jesus of Nazareth, who went about doing good and healing all that were who? Oppressed of the devil. Anywhere in your life that the devil's been oppressing you, sickness, disease, poverty, lack, confusion, uh, just things not going well. The answer is Jesus, who went about doing good and healing all. That was his earthly ministry. Then one day, nobody took his life. But then he did what? He willingly laid it down. He even said, my body has been fashioned for a sacrifice. He knew, not only John the Baptist knew, Jesus knew. that Because he kept telling him, I've got to go do this. Remember one time he said to Peter, right after Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, what? Flesh and blood hadn't revealed that to you? You remember that? Then what, he say, then what, what happened next? Jesus said, well, I've got to go to the cross. And Peter said, not so. And then what did Jesus turn around and say? He said, Satan, get behind. How many of you know you can be right on one minute and then really mess it up to set next? Jesus had to go to the cross. But what did he do on the cross? They were singing that song, On the Cross. On the cross, what happened? He did die. What did he do? He took your sin. He took your sin. What does the Bible say? I want you to look at this. Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 and 5. Prophesying about Jesus says, Surely he has borne our griefs. He has carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Verse 5. He was wounded for our transgressions or our sin. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24. The first part of that says... That who his own self bear our sin in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin would live under righteousness. What do we know? Jesus became sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says this very clearly. For he that knew no sin 
He that knew, how many know Jesus didn't know what sin was? He was tempted in every way that you and I have ever been tempted, but he didn't ever sin. How amazing is that? So, well, he was God. No, he laid aside his deity. He was the son of man, anointed by the Holy Ghost. He laid aside his deity. He he, he, He resisted the devil just like you and I have to resist the devil. He, he made him to be sin. Jesus became sin. Why did he become sin? He just didn't take your sin. He became sin. Everything you ever did wrong, everything that you will ever do wrong, Jesus already took it. And so since he took it, you don't have to pay a penalty for it if you ask forgiveness for it. Amen. He was made to be sin. He who knew no sin was made to be sin, that we might be made righteous. So I call this the great exchange. Jesus' substitutionary work was he who knew no sin took your sin. He became sin. So, you know, I have people say to me all the time, well, Pastor Mark, I'm going to straighten up, and then I'm going to serve God. Quit wasting your time. You can't straighten up. (laughs) don't say that over me you can't straighten up I said it again you can't do it on your own is what I mean we all need a savior we all need Jesus we all need Jesus you need Jesus I need Jesus I still need Jesus you need Jesus it's not a one time deal he took your sin he became your sin so that you could become righteous so I want everybody in the room Say, thank you, Jesus, Jesus. for taking my sin. sin. Amen. Amen. And if you believe that, and you believe he was raised from the dead, then you could also say, thank you, Jesus, Jesus. that you you have made me me righteous. righteous. I'm not trying to become righteous. Right? I'm not trying to become righteous. I am righteous. What else did Jesus do on the cross? Oh, if he just, you know what, y'all? If he just did that, that's good enough. But that's not all he did. You see, it's interesting to me. The same thing he did in his earthly ministry, he finished on the cross. Because I know this, Isaiah chapter 53. We're going to read it out of um, the Young's literal translation. I don't know if we have that one for the screen. But Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5 of the Young's literal translation says this. Surely our sicknesses he hath borne, and our pains he has carried them. Surely our sicknesses. You got anything going on in your body? You got anything going on in your body? If you got any sickness going on in your body, who took care of that? His name is Jesus. You got any pain in your body? Who took care of that? When did he do it? On the cross. So a lot of people say, Lord, I need you to heal me. If he was standing in front of you, he would look back at you and say, I did. See, a lot of people get confused about, is it the will of God to heal everybody? Yes, it is. But does everybody receive their healing? No. And if you prayed for somebody to get healed and you're mad at God because he didn't heal them, that really wasn't on him. We have to learn how to receive healing. Just like you have to receive salvation. How many of you know um, you can pray for somebody to get saved, but they're the ones that God gets saved? Healing, we have to learn how to receive. 1 Peter 2.24, what's the last part of that? 
talks about healing. It says, by Jesus' stripes you were. It's past tense. I would say, if I was, then I am. Was you? Is you? I was and I is. Amen. I know it's not good English, but it's really good doctrine. <laughs> Jesus took your sins. Would have been enough. But he didn't stop there. He took your sicknesses and your disease. He didn't stop there. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, that he became I know this scares a lot of folk. Y'all, don't be scared. Everybody say, look, turn your neighbor and say, don't be scared. Second Corinthians 8, 9 says that he became poor. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, King James Version. He became poor. Put it up so they can see it. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Not making this stuff up. For, the, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though yet he was rich. What does that mean? I mean, he came from heaven. He was rich in every way. He didn't get poor by coming to the earth. For your sakes, he became poor. That word became is like he became, he took your sin. He took your sickness and disease. It's the same thing. He became poor so that you through his poverty might be rich. Now, if that word scares you a little bit, everybody just replace it with blessed. (laughs) If it scares you. Well, ow, oh my, you're one of those groups that believe that God wants you rich. Yep. We're blessed. Come on, what are we blessed to be? You can't bless anyone unless you're blessed. And if you get blessed, you ought to know where it came from and what to do with it. I say it again, I am blessed to be a blessing. When did Jesus do this? He did this all on the cross. So the same thing he was, what he do on the earth? He provided. Remember when Peter couldn't pay his taxes? Go fishing. Get a coin out of the mouth. He multiplied the loaves and the fishes. He turned water into wine. He provided. He is the provider. So everybody say, Jesus is is my Savior. savior. Say, Jesus is is my healer. healer. Say, Jesus is... My provider. I, if you believe that and you receive that and you begin to walk in it, if you'll do that consistently every day of your life, by this time next year, your life will be totally dramatically changed. Not just hearing it, but doing it, expecting it. That's what Jesus did on the cross. Are you grateful for that? Are you grateful for that? And then the last thing he did is the same thing he did on the earth. When, when he rose up, are you glad Jesus is alive? When do we celebrate that? We call that Easter. Right? What do we celebrate? The resurrection. How many of you know you ought to celebrate resurrection every day? Because when you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, that he was raised from the dead. How many of you know we can't believe that he was just a good man? We can't believe that he just was sent from God. We have to believe that he died on the cross, took my sin, took my pain, took my poverty. And on the third day, when everything was paid for, 
The Holy Ghost, in the greatest display of power, according to Ephesians chapter 2, reached down into hell, grabbed a hold of Jesus, and raised him up. And at the same time, raised everybody up who would ever believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why it's the greatest display of power ever. Because not only Jesus was being raised from the dead, you were raised from the dead. Turn to your neighbor and say, Happy Resurrection Day. Come on, we're having Christmas today. We're having Resurrection Day today. Hallelujah. Your, your, the, your sins are forgiven. Your body is healed. God wants to provide for you. And then when Jesus got up, the last thing he said to them, all power, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Then he said, what? Now you go, therefore. So all this authority that he walked in on the earth, he turned it around and gave it to the body of Christ. So the same things that Jesus did in his earthly ministry, he's doing today. Hallelujah. He's not dead. He's alive. He's not dead. He's alive. He's the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end. He's the first and he's the last. He's the first begotten from the dead. He's not the only begotten from the dead. He's the only begotten, meaning he's the son of God in a class all by himself. Himself, but he's the first begotten from the dead. And when you believe on him, you are raised from the dead. What I want to, I'm just tired of seeing people walking around, they're dead men walking. I tell you what, the only way you can really be alive is to believe that Jesus is alive. He is the same. Amen. He is the great amen. Hallelujah. He's just not at your end, he is your end. And when you say amen, you're saying, Jesus, work on everything that concerns me. Amen. So the same things he did in his earthly ministry, he made sure was available to you in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. But you know what? People wanted to say, well, what's Jesus doing? Is he just on vacation until we all get there? No, he has a, he's still working. He has a high priestly ministry. You know, in the old covenant, the high priest would go in once a year and take the blood of bulls and calves to cover the sins of the people. But listen to me. I know this is just a slight difference, but it's a, a good difference. Did you know when you get born again, your sins, the blood of Jesus doesn't cover your sin? They're removed. As far as the east is from the west. Because, see, you go up to the Lord and say, Lord, you know, I'm just, a bad, I'm just a bad dude. I'm just bad. You know, I, ugh, I'm a mess. He'd be like, who are you talking about? I don't know you that way. I don't know you that way. If you're born again, you're washed in the blood, cleansed by the blood, redeemed by the blood, sanctified by the blood, set apart by the blood. We need to walk in it. The Bible says in 1 John that as we walk in the light, as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus continually cleanses us. But if you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father, the Lord Jesus, the righteous one. Isn't that interesting? The righteous one. And when you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Put you right back into righteousness. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. So what is he doing today? Well, he went into the holy place and offered the blood. 
put it on the mercy seat. So it's available. I would say it's available. Aren't you grateful for the blood that saves us, protects us, cleanses us, causes us to have a covenant? But what else is he doing? He's the high priest over your confession. So when you speak the word of God, he's making it happen. He's the high priest of your confession. He's the high priest, in Hebrews it talks about him, the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Who's Melchizedek? Well, he was just a king that received tithes and offerings from Abram. So today, when you give, when you sow seed, when you give your tithe, when you give your finances, Jesus is in heaven receiving it and doing what? Blessing it. It's interesting. He's always done the same things. He's always done the same the Bible says he's ever living to make intercession for you. I keep bringing up Mamaw today. Mamaw used to always say, if I can't get nobody to pray for me, Jesus is praying for me. He ever lives to make intercession. Come on. The Lord loves you. He's praying for you. He doesn't want you to stay where you're at. He's, he's ever living to make intercession. What does that mean? Does that mean just for lost ones? No, I believe he's talking about his, he's, he's, he's our advocate He's our advocate and ensuring the covenant. I could tell you so much. Well, I don't want to forget this one. What's Jesus' ministry today? Remember when John the Baptist said, he said, there's the Lamb of God takes away the sin. He said, I baptize you with water under repentance, but... I can't undo his sandals, basically. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Come on. If you look around the room, we got some on-fire people. Crazy for Jesus. Why? Because they've been baptized in the Holy Ghost. That's his current ministry today. That's his ministry today. And then, remember uh, when Jesus went up, the disciples were there, these angels appeared. And Jesus was taken up. What do those angels say? He said, this, why, why are y'all standing here gawking? You know, like at a wreck or something. You ever been driving on the interstate and you're all slowed down, stopped, and then you drive a thousand miles ahead and wonder what happened? It's just people were looking at somebody on the side of the road gawking. That's what they were saying. Why are y'all standing here gawking? This same Jesus. Not a different Jesus, this, the one that was born of a virgin, the one who was the word, the one who came to the earth, the one who went about doing good and healing the sick, the one who went to the cross, the one who was raised from the dead, the one who is talking to you, this same Jesus will return. Now, no matter what you heard, he is coming back. He is coming back. He is coming back. He is our soon coming king and he will return. There will one day be a trumpet blast from heaven. The dead in Christ will rise and those of us that are alive and remain are going to be caught up to ever be with him in the air. And then that same Jesus will rule and reign for all of eternity. And you can rule and reign with him. He is the alpha. He is the omega. He is the beginning. 
We hope you were inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org, check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Seawall Madison. We believe God is working within you and we want you to know Him so you too can make Him known.